everyone. This is Egbe Adeoye. Welcome to another episode with the TTA Radio, our podcast station. Today we're looking at African Excellence again. It's part of our African Excellence series. And, you know, I have such pleasure in welcoming this guest. I've uh, worked with him years, years, years back. He continues to excel um, in everything he does. He just shows up as a human being. And when we talk about the African Excellence um, Series and celebrating people doing things to such a level of quality and such a level of excellence that we should pay attention. This is who my guest is today, Martin Kanubanda. So Martin, we we met when you um, you and I worked at a multinational together, and I'm not going to necessarily plug them. People can check our bios to know which company that was. But it, but it is a global um, a company, and it was originally British in um, in origin. I think I can I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that was fascinating about me um, about you to me was here's this guy in a corporate who. You know, I always used to feel like I'm, I'm corporate, but not really. I always felt like an outsider in, you know, an insider out, whatever. And, and when I met you for the first time, I thought, yeah, this guy is like slightly radical. Like <laughs> we, we, we just kind of buck the, the, the mold a bit. And, and that was fun to experience. But I also, I also, um, what, what I also saw when we were colleagues together was the deep passion that you had for your country. Zambia, the deep passion that you had for making a difference, a real leadership difference, not just for Zambia, but in the organization that we worked with. And if I'm not mistaken, at the time you were in corporate affairs and, and you know, even in, in how you engaged in corporate affairs, it, it, it was counterintuitive. Um, and so let's talk a bit about that. So mm-hmm. we jump a bit, uh, you're now in corporate and, and then we find ourselves in this big global space. Um, what 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 was going on for you at that time in terms of the between where you where we had left the story and where you were? Um, what what was important? What was pertinent? What were the issues maybe um, um, you were grappling with ideologically? In a way, I was somehow influenced by the the fact that. Um, when I went to work in the university uh, as a lecturer in philosophy, um, I started feeling drawn to the subject of business ethics until I developed the business ethics program that is currently existing at the University of Zambia. I designed the course and started teaching, but I wanted it to be applied. Mm-hmm. So students regularly went out there to listen to what was going on in the business world, in the public sector world, um, in civil society, so that we could use that as the raw material for learning. I wasn't satisfied with just picking books in business ethics, written, obviously, most of them in the Western world. I wanted it to be applicable to our circumstances. But I was also on a deep learning journey because I started beginning to understand that business can be a force for good. Yes. Yes, it produces profits for shareholders, but no one wakes up on a daily basis, sits in the office, do what they do, and they say, today 
I'm increasing shareholder value. Nobody <laughs> does that. We go there so that this becomes an expression of who we are. Yes. And also to make our contribution to the world. At the end of it all, there would be something called salary going into our bank account. And, and that is what truly attracted me. And I remember when this corporation you talked about advertised the job of corporate affairs manager for Zambia. And I was telling Aggie, my wife, that mm. actually I could get this job if I applied. And she knew I wasn't going to apply. <laughs> so, so, so she made me sit down. I applied, and then I said, I'm going to drop the letter. I said, no, I know you won't drop the letter. So <laughs> give, it to, give it to me. <laughs> and she dropped the letter. Wow. Anyway, that's how I was, mm. I, was, I, was, I was given this job. Then, as I went there, I had a fantastic uh, managing director who allowed me almost free roaming. Mm. I came there, and I shared my thoughts and said, let's go for it. Because he understood that the company needed to succeed and succeed big. But he also understood that society needed to succeed big time through yes. our little contribution. So we had a win-win approach to corporate affairs. We wanted uh, that as we emerged well off, other people were also yes. better off. Yeah. And um, uh, that for me is, 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 is what I found fascinating. But as if it was a kind of consummation, you and I, and I think, uh, if I remember, maybe 18 other people yes. were on a program, a special yes. program yes. that was intended to prepare us to really play full-time the leadership that this corporation needed. And it was a, a very different game. Yes. It wasn't just about knowing how to support the success process of this corporation. It is also discovering ourselves, yes. who we were and what life was calling us to. And that makes me forever indebted to the corporation we are talking about here that they could invest in such learning. Uh, uh, obviously, the intention that we become effective yes. contributors to the future of the business, but we also, as individuals, learned, learned so much. Yes. Um, so corporate affairs for me was how you play the game of winning and enabling other people to win alongside you. Winning and lose, winners and losers was not the language we were, yes. we were thinking of. And it was during that training program we went on Egbe that I started getting this inkling. It was almost like uh, thoughts of interference because coming from that program, there was one sense in which I was seeing myself as a corporate person. Mm -hmm. I was aspiring for the highest uh, possible office, office yes. I could land within that industry. And because it was a global company, I, I was seeing myself uh, working in London and Washington, D.C., and everywhere where this business was operating. And, 
And then the interfering thoughts were almost, uh, what about your country? What about these things you are learning? What about your, your country? Uh, imagine what would happen if uh, your government also operated on the same principles. Mm. Uh, and I felt that was almost like a distraction. But one day I arrived at my office and I dialed a colleague back in Zambia and I said, could you find me the number to the president's office? And then he said, Martin, what have you been smoking? Which normal human being asks such a question. But like all good friends, uh, after 10 minutes, he called back and said, here is the number. Please don't be silly with that number. I somehow paid heed to that, shoved the number away and continued working as I normally would. But 10 minutes before 5 p.m., I looked at the number. Mm. Some madness seeped in me. <laughs> I dialed the number. And, 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 and the response was, hello, State House, how can we help you? And I said, my name is Martin Kalungubanda. May, may I talk to the president? And then the, the answer was, Mr. Kalungubanda, is the president expecting your call? I said, no, but it is important that I speak to the president. I mm. said confidently. Then there was silence, music, then a new voice came, State House, how can we help you? I repeated my request. My name is Martin Kalungbanda. I would like to speak to the president. Mm. The same question was asked of me, Mr. Kalungbanda, is the president expecting your call? I slightly emphasized my response. <laughs> no, but it's crucial that I speak to the president. Silence, again, music. A new voice came, and I had grown a little bit impatient this time, so I said something like, my name is Martin, I've been trying to speak to the president for the last few minutes. And the voice went, Mr. Kalungbanda, this is the president, how can I help you? <laughs> and at that point, Edward, I forgot what I had called. <laughs> and... Uh, when I recovered, I said the wrong thing. Wow. I said, I'm terribly sorry, sir. I didn't vote for you in the last election. <laughs> and, and I didn't. I had left oh um, uh, Cape Town yes, and I yes. went to vote. Yes. But I didn't vote for him. Yes. He laughed and he said, at least you are honest about your vote. Um, what can I do for you? <laughs> and I said, I, had, I, I recovered enough to be able to say, your Excellency, I have been learning about leadership and mm. transformation. Mm. Although this is for a private mm. multinational corporation, um, I see it so applicable to how a country's affairs could be managed. I would love the opportunity to speak to you. And to my surprise, he said, um, this is Wednesday, Mr. Kalongobanda. How about Friday? Mm. Um, uh, 15 p.m. or 15 hours, I said, yes, sir. I don't ever remember saying bye. I had put the receiver down. My hand was shaking. I stood up to go and look for my boss so that I could just explain that I needed to be given time to fly back. <laughs> and uh, I went to my boss and I said, I have 
to fly back mm. to Zambia. Mm. And then he said, to do what? Mm. I explained. And then he said, that's not how things work. I said, I understand, but that's how they worked in this yes. particular instance. <laughs> yes. So, Egbe, when I arrived on the material day at the gate to uh, State House, uh, the security officers who were present checked for my name when I gave them the passport and they didn't have my name on the list of people to see the president. Mm. And the senior most person then said, Mr. Kalungubanda, do you surely think the president would have a meeting with someone and we haven't done a security <laughs> check on them? I said, you know, I have no way of explaining this. Yes. The only thing I know is that I wasn't dreaming. Mm. I spoke to the president. Somehow, the officer uh, gave another chance and said, promise me if we go and check in the inner office and your name is not there, you will not resist mm. to come out. Mm. I promised. We walked in there, checked on the list, and my name wasn't there. Wow. He was about to usher me out when the president, by then it was President Levy, Patrick mm. Mwanawasa, mm was coming from another direction. And he wow. stopped and said, you must be Mr. Kalungubanda. And I said, yes, sir. And then he said, come, come and have our meeting. <laughs> and wow. that's how I left wow. the security office. I slotted myself yes. uh, into the president's office. And we had a conversation. Mm. And I remember sitting with him for about 20 minutes. And when I finished ranting all the things that I wanted to share with him, he stopped and said, Mr. Kalungubanda, surely you don't expect me to understand all these things at once, do you? Mm. I smiled back, not knowing what I was to say. And then he said, what are you doing tomorrow? Can we meet for dinner? Come oh. to my house. Mm. And um, in a way, that's how the following day we met, had dinner together and chatted. At the end of that dinner meeting, the president said, are you able to come and train me and my cabinet ministers on how we can work in the manner you are describing? Egbe, even if I have never, I had never trained anybody <laughs> like that, I felt a strong sense of saying, yes, sir. Yes, yes. And that was it. Mm. I just said, yes, sir. And he mm. said, I'll be in touch. Mm. It was a year later, I had oh. even changed jobs and moved from Cape Town to Oxford. Yes. When the secretary or the receptionist in the organization I was working for called me and said, Martin, there is someone pretending to be president online. Would you, oh. would you, would you, would you like to take the call? And then I said, yes. And I took the call. And then the president said, Martin, you didn't tell me you had moved from Cape Town and you're oh. now in Oxford. Next week, I have requested all ministers not to travel out of town. Hmm. And I have asked all permanent secretaries not to travel out of town. So you are coming to train us. Whoa! <laughs> 
and and it, it says that he actually did a search for you yeah. from Cape Town through to Oxford. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I knew I was completely empty within me. I mm. knew I didn't have mm. what it took mm. to go and train mm. the entire cabinet, mm. to go and train the permanent secretaries. But then I knew people who were much more qualified than myself. And I reached out to these people. Mm. And that's how we formed a team, quickly developed a program, and I flew over to Lusaka. And for the following three days, I had the rare privilege of spending every morning with the entire cabinet wow. and every afternoon with all the permanent secretaries in wow. the country. Wow. I couldn't imagine a much more privileged opportunity yes, yes, than, yes. than that. Yes. So that's how, for me, corporate affairs led me to making the small contribution that um, I, I, I could make. After the three days, the president then said, could you come home? Uh, we say bye to each other. Mm. And I went back, I went to his, to his house. We had a meal together again. He thanked me for having supported him in his desire mm. to train. And he, he said nothing more. And he said, I hope we can remain in touch. Two months later, um, he called me. By then, we had now much yeah, more direct ways. Martin, I, I'll be going to the UN uh, General Assembly, stopping over in London. Mm. Any chance we could meet? Mm. Um, obviously, I created the time, yes. went to see him. And then he said to me, uh, Martin, I'm looking for a chief of staff. Mm. And then I took it for granted and I started sharing with him because in the job where you and I met, yes. uh, I had, by coincidence, you would say, people who had worked in the White House and um, yes. they had introduced me um, to uh, some of the videos um, like, yes, minister, they had introduced me um, to another series I, I, I will remember as we go along. Mm. And I became very interested in, mm. in, in watching those. So when the president said, do you know anything about being a chief of staff? So I quickly <laughs> said, I worked with some people who had done White those House, jobs. Yes. And then I also have been watching this series. I can tell you a lot about that. <laughs> and, then, and then he said, I would like you to be my chief of staff. Wow. And in that moment, I said, no, no, your excellency. You need someone close to your age. Mm. You need someone who knew you before you became powerful mm. because that would be the balancing effect. Mm. You need someone who would be able to speak as much truth as they are able to see. Yes. And then he paused and said, the more you talk about this, the more I realize you are the one. And then I paused and he said, what if you only did this for six months mm. and show me how that would work and then I'll leave you free. 
But I suspect he was too clever for me because <laughs> when I said yes, it yes. was never six months. Yes. <laughs> Wow. And wow. Uh, 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 the organization I was working for was kind enough to allow me to go on sabbatical, having worked with them mm. only for, uh, I think, 11 months. Yes. Normally, they would give sabbatical after seven years wow. of working with them. Mm. They made a special exception, and I went on sabbatical. And to uh, make things work uh, on the ground... Um, the president created a new role so that I could float between things. Right. So that's, uh, my job was called special consultant to the president, mm. um, helping him to organize his office um, and bring in the literal experiences I had uh, gotten uh, from uh, both teaching uh, business ethics and working as corporate affairs mm. person. Mm. So that's that's the line, Egbe. Yeah, I, you know, the, there's so much richness in there, um, and and the things that I just want to to highlight as as we we move forward in 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 your story is for me it's a story of of can. I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but um, you, sp- you speak about interfering thoughts. I, I like the, the, the use of the phrase interfering thoughts. So I'm on this trajectory. This is where I think I'm going. And then these things come, yeah. you know, these interfering thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I also do, uh, uh, by the way, Martin, just to share with you, I hold that OD session that we had mm-hmm. as also a very p- pivotal milestone in my yeah. own life and yeah. career. <laughs> Because there's a, there, it awakened a knowing and a journey of wanting to know yeah. who I am and how I show up in this world. That just once that door was open, it couldn't be closed. Yeah. So, so I, sh- I, sh- I deeply share that with you. And then I chuckle around the moments of madness, calling <laughs> the president. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it's a madness that is um, balanced by 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 rationality mm-hmm. because saying can and saying yes and knowing instinctively that that is the right thing to say yeah. but also knowing as you say I knew I was empty within myself yeah. and I had to form a team and that's the rationality and again it comes back to the first thing we, we spoke about I think is, is the is the sense of self mm-hmm. and the authenticity that says great opportunity and I'm not here to build castles for myself mm-hmm. when we're truly in service of others yeah. we, we will find the courage yeah. to it, yeah. it's it's a lovely story and, and, and I, I'm you know I'm I'm uh, even as the one interviewing you, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, you, 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 you ended by saying, you know, that you, can't, you tried to convince anyway the president to find for himself a chief of staff who would speak as much truth as they were able to see. Yeah. Um, it's not surprising to me that, that he felt he had already found that in you. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising also that he felt he had already found a, a person of courage who would speak with conviction and from conviction in you. And, and it goes to show that it's not always the obvious things. It's not always um, the characters that you put forth, mm-hmm. someone who knew you before you were, uh, someone who's in your age group. You yeah. know? So we talk about the diversity, you know, the closeness. Those are not always the things. It's, I think, when we show up mm-hmm. as really the, the sort of true version of ourselves, and we have no agenda, yeah. but, but to be in service. Yeah. I, I, I think people see it yeah. Yeah. and it resonates. Yeah. 
So Martin, we're going to, to stop here for now, but I can't wait to continue because I really want to get to the point where we start talking about the three books and, and the lessons from the three books. So, so TTA listeners, uh, don't go too far because there'll be other episodes in our very interesting and very um, engaging conversation with Martin Kalungubanda as we explore truly another facet of, of, of excellence. And, and it's a facet that is, how do I show up with no agenda but to be available to serve? And how do I do what I do with the clear consciousness that that there's a social agenda and there's a social context. And I use the word social from a community perspective. Mm -hmm. And truly, again, you know, as we reflect on what Africa Day could be and what it should be, I I think that, that one of the things that it could be and it should be is all of us working in service of this thing that we hold dear, this continent that we hold dear and the people in it that we hold dear. As we just step up to serve without agenda, we truly will see Africa rising. Thank you, Martin. Thank you so much, Egbert. Thank you.